You know, the culture is actually damn good. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Hey, where y'all at? This is Trafalgar Square. Mr. and Mr. North of South American, all the ships at sea, let's go to press. Have you been drinking? It was a good show, huh? During the workday, when you feel possessed by amorous intent, may I suggest that you suppress it? Hey! 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 Hey, how you doing? Let's get in the conference room. I would like to invite everyone into the conference room. I would like to have a meeting in the conference room right now. I know for a fact that nobody in the Parks Department reads letters. Does everybody have to be crazy today? Now get me Sabian! Actually, they're going to spot it at the 11, so first down and 10 from the 11. Russ has time. Got a man in the back of the end zone, reaching up, feet down. It is locking. Touchdown, Seahawks. Well, they discovered their defense last night, too. What the heck was that all about? Welcome to the show, everybody. The SportsJourney.com radio network is on the air. It's the Bob Matthews Podcast. I am your host, and we're glad that you're here with us on a football Friday. Washington getting ready for Cincinnati on Sunday. They will put the final touches on the game plan this afternoon at practice. And in just a few minutes, we will head to the locker room and talk with Ron Rivera. And if everything goes according to plan, perhaps even a couple of players. Must win, obviously, for Washington this week. I know we've been saying that for a while. But here it is. Um, there's just there are a few more, just a couple of more weeks left in this soft part of the schedule before they're going to get hammered again. And Seattle's one of those teams that will most likely hammer them. Before last night, I was kind of thinking, you know, I'm not going to say that they have an excellent chance or even a decent chance or a realistic chance of beating Seattle. But I thought the way we'd seen the Seahawks defense play lately maybe at least a puncher's or a theoretical chance. After last night, maybe not so much. That one could be ugly. We know the Pittsburgh game will be ugly. But San Francisco, I think, will be, is kind of a a crapshoot at this point. 49ers will be coming east. They're, what, four and five so far this year. Uh, The Panthers, I think that that one's a winnable game. The Eagles, obviously, will be a winnable game. So, yes, even as of right now, We can't say that the whole thing is done for unless they're just not able to win this one at home. It's a building block game. Let us hope that they can actually build some of those blocks. A special treat for you today as we are waiting uh, waiting for the locker room to open and hear from Coach Ron Rivera. We got our MVP, the original guest here on the show. Coming up, it's Rhiannon Walker of The Athletic is in the house and ready to talk some Washington football with us. So, Maestro, let us cue the dramatic music and let's kick this one off. Washington football insider Rhiannon Walker, the microwave, joins us. She, of course, is one of the beat writers for The Athletic. You can read all her stuff at theathletic.com, and it is time to talk about this week's game because Washington is, as we like to say, on to Cincinnati. How are you, my friend? It is so good to hear your voice again. It's good to hear your voice, too, Bob. Um, life is hectic right now, and I'm being honest. I have a, before you called, I was actually cleaning my house furiously, and I'll be cleaning it furiously when I get off the line um, from work. I have my appraisal for my house at um, 3 o'clock today, so I am um, trying to get everything in order for that. I'm real excited about this 
very cool. exciting. Very cool. I like it. I am excited. I am excited for you. Let's go ahead How's and everybody? talk some. What? What's that? I'm sorry. My fault. No, I was just saying, how are you, Bob? I, you always ask me how I'm doing. I'm asking, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm all right. We're we are hanging in here, hanging in there down here in uh, in the tide water. So, just hoping that uh, just hoping that we can get the restrictions lifted here sometime soon and and get somewhere back to normalcy. I'm hoping to actually be able to get into the press box for uh, the December games. So after Thanksgiving, I got my fingers crossed there. Absolutely. We got to get the band back together. Let's talk about this weekend. Cincinnati, of course, uh, coming in. Um, Washington is going to be making some changes along the offensive line. They've had two games that could have gone either way the last two weeks. What is the state? of everything out in Ashburn as far as as far as you guys can tell. You said the state or did you say the, something else? The, the state. The state. The the zeitgeist if you were if you will. Uh, you know the sad thing is that this team they know they're beating themselves up. I mean you all like you know if you read anything about war, you know you never want to get into a two-front war. You never want to have people on both sides of it because you just expend resources and expend your energy in an unnecessary fashion. And that's really what it is right now with this team is that, in a way, that, that Washington football team and the Bengals almost, not exactly mirror each other, but very similar, actually. If you look, I, I mean, when you look at the Bengals, four of the six losses that they've had are by five points or less. Not even a touchdown or less. Five points or less. And they're two, six, and one right now. You look at Washington, they have two games back-to-back where you're losing by less than a touchdown as well, too. And, of course, you know, you can look at some other games. You can look at the Cleveland Browns game, you look at the Arizona Cardinals game, and you say, wow, you know, if they don't turn the ball over, you know, in a crazy, inordinate amount, they might have potentially, like, put themselves in a position to win those games. You don't know what the outcomes would be if you don't turn the ball over, but just to say you give yourself a better chance of doing so. And so they don't feel bad. It's just frustrating, like, okay, didn't turn the ball over. Well, they did. Terry McLaurin in that questionable fumble and everything else like that with a knee being down. But it's just, you know, they get inside the 30 of Detroit four times in the first half, come away with three points. And Alex Smith very honestly says he couldn't believe that the score for them, they only had three points. You know, which is understandable because when you get down there like that consistently the way that they did, you think that they're going to get a payoff. So they're not down on themselves. They're just trying to figure out okay, so how do we put all the pieces together? How do we get the second half offense in the first half or throughout the whole game, basically? Because you don't want to just suddenly flip-flop it. Like, suddenly you have first half offense, but no second half offense. They don't want that. How do you just get a complete game? How do you get a defense yeah. to not give up? You know, give up those big yards to put the Detroit Lions in a position to kick that field goal. I'll be a 59-yard field goal is, you know, very unlikely for somebody to make, but just at the end of the day, like, how do you not give that kind of stuff up? So, it don't feel bad. It's and you know obviously we don't have the open locker room to like really know like how guys are like truly feeling per se. But just I can say from the coaching staff to the players we've talked to is that they recognize the issues, whether it be the turnovers or it be the slow starts or you know not converting on getting down there. But how to actually transition it to the point where they're putting up those points. The defense isn't having those like mental lapses where Jack O'Reilly saying, you know it's hard to take looking back at it. Um, they get it. I mean, it, it, it shoot. I mean, that clearly they they can make the adjustments. Clearly, they had the players to even be in the game. But just 
they are trying to find a way not to do that, basically. I'm interested in your perspective on this. Um, you can We can all sit here and quote stats all day long, and, and we can all take stats and kind of bend them to our own reality, but we talk about the eye test so much to me it just seems like and and again maybe this is me wanting to see it but the offense looks like it's just run smoother with alex smith in there it seems like guys are getting the ball in the numbers instead of having to make acrobatic catches you know because it's it's a little off here or there does it seem to you like like the offense is just numbers aside, just running better with Alex Smith because he's a 15-year veteran who you know the game's slowed down for considerably? Oh yeah, without question. I mean, I would say the same thing about even Kyle Allen. To be very honest with you, I think the offense has just simply looked better with two people that have. You know, obviously Kyle Allen has only been in the league one more year than Dwayne Haskins has, but just simply put, it just looked more cohesive. It looked like somebody who understood the offense, and that was another reason why. When you look back and you ask, like, okay, well, why is Alex Smith the second-string quarterback over Dwayne Haskins? You know, he hasn't really played that much. One of the reasons that they cited was because he knows the offense. Don't forget, North Turner did work with him while he was out in San Francisco. So it's not North Turner's offense, but Scott Turner runs something very similar. So he gets it. Um, and then, yeah, you know, you shake off the rust and things of that nature, and it does look better. But the, I think the other thing that has really helped this team tremendously is the fact that, Guys kind of know that the ball could come their way at any point in time. And I don't think you can underestimate how big of a deal that is. I mean, for instance, you play basketball, and you know that if you feel like there's a chance that the point guard's going to get the ball to you, you're more engaged in the play. It's really no different in football, to be quite honest with you. If you know that you have somebody that's going to look your way, you keep your eyes open, you always think to yourself, okay, like, I need to be on my A game. I need to run this route as best as crisply as I possibly can because, hey, Alex could look my way. And that's a big deal. It's sometimes it's not just the actual play itself. It's the mental element of the game as well, too. And having, especially younger, I, I really don't think I can understate this. Most of this receiving core, especially with Dontrell Inman not playing, has three years or less in the league. And so for them especially, it, it's almost a, sometimes a foregone conclusion that the ball's not going to go their way. They're going to go to a guy like Terry McLaurin, who's one of those guys who's got three years or less. But as you've seen with Alex, he'll throw it to anybody. Isaiah Wright has been getting into the mix. Terry McLaurin obviously is in the mix. Logan Thomas is in the mix. He's not one of the young guys per se. Steven Sims is another player that they've kept their eye on. James McKissick. You just, you never know, so you want to be doing the best you possibly can on any given play, simply because, again, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to be taking a play off and then suddenly the ball comes to you and you're, and what's your excuse? I didn't expect right. the ball to come my way, basically. So I do think that that makes a difference. And quite frankly, the other thing, I know that Alex Smith has ever tasted the check down, his captain check down, and he does do a lot of that. But have you seen some of the deep throws that he's been making, especially to Cam That, I, I mean, yep. I think that's a problem example of what we're talking about right now. When you look at a guy who had two touchdowns in back to back game, he first one hundred yard receiving game, last week has a number of big plays. Look at what it does when you get a guy involved. And especially a guy that's been working hard, has been a training camp hero and everything else like that. To finally have somebody that he knows is gonna look in his general direction and not only look there but throw to him. Look at the look look at the numbers he has. It makes the world a difference. So I do think that the offense has looked better than Seamless, been a little more comfortable, especially in the second half. But again, it's how do you bring that that second half performance of converting and getting those points into the first half? Because then you may not have so many of these close games that the teams are 
game. I mean, look, if the offense looked away and looked at the second half and the first half and just throughout the whole game, these games wouldn't be that close if we're all the way on Right, right. Seven for 11, by the way, throws over 15 yards last week for everybody that thinks that all that Alex Smith does is take the check down, and he did. He spread it around to nine different receivers. Oh, by the way, that's the same amount of uh, spreading around, if you would, that uh, that Matt Stafford did on the other side of the ball. That's what veteran quarterbacks do. They get everybody involved. That is absolutely right, Bob. And I see what the stat is. See, you're proving my point. I know we're not supposed to talk about the stats, but to your point, yes, <laughs> in addition to the nine different players that were targeted and received catches, I think it was like there were five players, or I might be misremembering, but I think there were five players who had four catches or more, five catches or more. I can't remember off the top of my head. Another four yeah. that had like four catches. Or excuse me, another, uh, I think it was like maybe six or seven had like four catches. I, again, I can't remember the numbers, so don't quote me. But I definitely mentioned in my story just not only is he looking guys' ways, but a lot of guys are getting involved. Like four catches for, you know, four or five different guys a lot of guys get involved. And I think what it was is that there were four or five receivers that had like 50 yards or more or 40 yards or something along those lines. That's a lot of productivity for a lot of different guys, you know. I'll go you one better than that because, you know, I always have your back on things like this, and I looked it up. But uh, so nine guys had targets last week. Seven of them had more than – had four catches or more. And Stafford only had two guys with four catches or more. So how about that? You talk about spreading it around. There you go. There you go, Bob. Yeah, that's right. You always have my back. I love it about you. Well, I, 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 hey, you were the first one to ever come on this show, so I got to have you back. I got to keep my MVP happy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, it looks like Morgan Moses will be playing left tackle this week. I guess it's the first time since his rookie year because of injuries and stuff. He did not look that bad last week when they when they switched him over there. So I guess the coaching staff figures he can hold up on the left side of the line for an entire game, right? Yeah, I think that's the way it's going to go. I mean, obviously, you know, I'm heading to practice right now, so we're going to really see if, you know, if we see Cornelius Lucas. That's not my expectation to see him. But, you know, he might be out there, and, of course, he might be a game-time decision. You never know just because guys are practicing doesn't mean he doesn't make it to game time. He just may need that extra few days of rest to get himself back right. But, you know, and it's probably, to be honest with you, the main reason I don't think I'll see Cornelius Lucas on Sunday, just this coaching staff hasn't rushed guys back. And every time people ask me, like, what are the differences between the team staff this year and last year? They don't rush guys back. I mean, and, you know, of course, I don't think guys feel, I don't want to say pressure per se or anything else along those lines, but I think they feel comfortable knowing, like, you know, if I don't play this week when I am good, they are going to put me back in the game type of situation. I don't think there's that much concern in that regard. Unless, of course, you weren't playing well before you got injured in the first place, whatever the case may right. be. But Morgan Moses did play, if I remember correctly, I do believe he played left tackle some at um, UVA as well, too. So he has some muscle memory to do it, even though it's been years since he had to do it. I just think at some level, when you're a professional athlete, you don't forget those things. The muscle memory will always be there and something you can rely on whenever you absolutely need it. This would be a prime example of, like, absolutely needing it because, you know, they just feel like David Sharp is a better option on the right-hand side. Uh, and as such, you know, that's more or less what's likely to happen on Sunday. So we will see, ultimately get an official decision at some point in the near future. But I don't think that they have too much of an issue with Morgan Moses sliding over to the left tackle spot. Um, he looked good. He looked, you know, he looked really good. He looked good most of the season, to be honest with you. He's cut down on penalties. 
Um, obviously, he was doing a lot to get himself in shape. Working with John Vasco seems to have really helped him as well, too. Bill Callahan uh, to a certain level as well, too. I don't think they have too much of a concern if he has to slide that way for the game. And that's and that's a good thing because I think if you have your choice, uh, putting a guy putting a guy at left tackle that was on the street when the uh, when the season began is not is probably not your number one option. Um, you got a you got a piece that just dropped I guess yesterday on uh, on J D McKissick. Um, he's splitting time obviously with Antonio Gibson and, and Peyton Barber, um, but he just, he he strikes me as a guy who, you know, is just going to pretty much do whatever you ask of him. If you want him to catch it out of the backfield, he'll do that. And he did it well last week and the week before. And he says he wants to run between the tackles. He thinks even at 195, he can do that, right? Not only does he can do it, he knows he can do it. And the thing is, is like, he has shown with the numbers. One of the numbers I pulled out, and it was something to me like, it was something I recognized in the Arizona Cardinals game when he had the most rushing yards of his career, is that he did a lot. He would get 10 yards, 9 yards, 8 yards. There was one play, I think it was the second down play, if I remember correctly, where if he hadn't have tripped, he would have actually scored on the play. And, you know, you can see the frustration from him because he realized that, uh, you know, as he's tripping and, like, you know, wants to get up off the turf and everything along those lines. But he knows he can run it. He understands that he's a small guy. But he doesn't want to be limited. He doesn't want to be a third down back. He doesn't want to be a guy that only runs outside. As a matter of fact, the majority of the yards that he has this season, the majority of the runs that he's taken this season, are inside the tackles. So between almost 70%, the specific number is 68.2% so far this season. But he's an, it's, a, it's an attitude thing. And also, one of the things that I pointed out is that, and he said to me, is that as a former kick returner and punt returner, you realize very quickly that. When it comes to being successful in that regard, shooting up a gap, it's all about just being aggressive about it. It's not hesitating. It's not dancing. And I think that's something you see a lot with guys who are a little smaller who don't necessarily want to go in between the tackles is they're trying to find a way to avoid the, uh, the, not the contact, but just like the physicality of like going in there because there's so many bodies. J.D. McKissick relishes the opportunity to see I mean, he's a fast guy. He makes guys miss. It's something that both Ron Rivera and Scott Turner have talked about a great deal, just like his elusiveness. Um, you know, obviously Antonio Gibson has the bigger number in terms of broken tackles and things of that nature, but actually J.D. McKissick is not, he's not super far behind, but he's also not close, but he's somebody who can do the same thing as well, too. Um, he just has a lot of pop that he brings to it, and, you know, you know Bobby's played sports. Sometimes it's not always about having the greatest level of talent. It's about determining, like, I'm going to do this thing. Um, I think it's just in my capabilities to do it. And I'm going to do that. I know who I am. I know what I'm good at. And I'm just going to play today. And that's a lot of what J.D. McKinsey does. He wants to be good at running in between the tackles. He has experience understanding how to do it at a successful, at a high level. And he just does it. Uh, he's fearless. And, I mean, that's a great thing for a guy that is, I think he's 5'11", 195. Not a big guy, but that's just it. He doesn't try to be cute. He just tries to be himself. And so far, it's paid off. I mean, I think he's three carries away from having, or excuse me, four carries away from having the most carries in his career. He's like mm. seven yards away from having the most rushing yards in his career. I think he's like at 177 or something along the lines of 184 is like his high in his career. Um, he's already got the most receiving yards in his career so far this season. with seven games left to go. So, I mean, he has been one of those players, and I pointed this out in the story book, too, that they could – Broderick and Scott Turner, Scott Carmen can see. Look, if this guy just gets a few more opportunities, he could do some things, and he's done some things so far through nine games this season for the team. 
you know, I always it's funny you mentioned that about knowing who he who he is. I, I found that was that was pretty much the secret to uh to my uh storied athletic career. I knew exactly who I was on the football field. I was the guy that held the tackling dummy. So, you know, it's a, when you know who you are, it really you're right, it, it really does help. Last question before I let you get out of here. Uh so I'm I'm watching the game last night and I see everybody going crazy on Twitter. Was I supposed to be because I always want to be on the right side here. Was I supposed to be rooting for Jeezy or uh, Gucci last night? Because I thought they were both terrific, if you ask me. You know, the thing is, I like both artists. I probably like Gucci a little bit more because I like more of his music. That's just me personally. Um, mm-hmm. To the point of like knowing, knowing who you are. Do I like Southern rap? I do like Southern rap. Matter of fact, I tell people I love it to a great extent. I'm not as well versed as other people that are in my life. And I think that that's personally okay. I just know that about myself. However, I mean, just Lucian got the pitch, man. And there were so many hits that he did not play. But so did Jeezy, too. I mean, there were a couple songs I was really hoping to hear. But you didn't have to pick a side. If you, if you don't want to pick a side, you don't have to pick a side. There's, again, okay. nobody, there's rules to this. Like, it's all about having fun. That's all of, that's the point of the verses is literally just have fun. I mean, right now, what, we're in this pandemic. We can't go to concerts. Um, so, you know, we do what we got to do. And right now, a lot of these artists are you know, reconciling and, like, putting out new music and everything else like that. It's just, it's a nice touch for the fact that we can't be out right now. It, it really yeah. is. So that's, I mean, that's how I look at it. It's just like, man, like, this is just great for the culture. Keep in mind that Jeezy did try to kill Gucci. So, like, this is not something that I expect well, uh, you know, cost of doing business. Let bygones be bygones, I guess. But it was very, I thought it was very catchy. You know, you give it a few minutes. I was, I was uh, you know, I was bopping along to it and everything. I, I found it quite entertaining myself. Oh, yeah, no, without question. I mean, they're great. I mean, <laughs> part of being a great artist is being a great entertainer at some level. So, I mean, they certainly have that down path. Big time. All righty, my dear, I am going to let you go so you can get to practice and churn out some more of the, that Pulitzer Prize winning material that we have come to know you from. Uh, Rhiannon Walker of The Athletic, thank you so much. Have a great Thanksgiving. Uh, I hope you will be able to see your family with every, all the craziness going on. Um, at least get by, you know, after after post game of the Cowboys game. I appreciate that, Bob, and I hope you and your family have a great Thanksgiving as well, too. I think uh, my family my family is a doctor in it, so she has been very adamant about, you know, you know, basically uh, following the rules on social distancing and stuff like that, which I completely agree with. It's like, I'm going to miss, like, we're not going to do a big family Thanksgiving this year, just my parents, my sister and I, but if I get to have a small Thanksgiving for a big, like, family gathering next year once it's safe, I'll take that. I'm good with that. So oh, absolutely. I hope stay yeah, I hope other people stay safe, do the right things this holiday season. I know it's been big, but you want to see family members next year. We got to do what we got to do this year to get out of this whole thing. So, I, could, I could not agree more. And remember, there's always a standing invitation for you here. If worse ever comes to worse, you've always got a place at the, uh, at the Matthews family table for Thanksgiving and Christmas. No, Bob, you know, Christmas is actually my favorite holiday. I am resisting the urge right now to put up my Christmas trees, and Lord knows I, I've been wanting to do it since Halloween is over. But um, <laughs> I, I appreciate that, Bob. Please know that, especially, like, as I get to this refinance and get stuff done with my house, I'm actually I'm in the process of getting couches and stuff, Bob. We're finally Ooh. getting the decorating. I know. Couches. I know it's crazy. Couches, 
carpets, like real adult stuff right now. But please know the invitation to come to my house, my house warming is very much extended to you as well too. I look forward to seeing the final product after hearing about it for, oh, I don't know, two years now? Two years? I, I will be there for it. You just tell me when it is. I'll be there. Trust me. It's going to be, a, it'll be on the other side of COVID, so I'll have plenty of time to, like, really get it decorated and everything else like that. So you'll see it soon, Bob. Don't you worry. I will bring the fire with me. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Thank you, Ree. I appreciate it. I appreciate it so much as always. We shall talk to you soon. Always good. We can catch up with Rhiannon Walker. Again, you can check her out at the, at the athletic.com. She, Ben Standing, David Aldridge, providing you the best coverage of the Washington football team out there. Ron Rivera at the podium just a little while ago. We asked him about who was playing left tackle. Would it be Morgan Moses or David Sharp? And as you might imagine, Rivera said that, yes, Morgan Moses and David Sharp will both be out on the field playing tackle. Just didn't say which side. As for Moses, though, sounds like he is getting ready to play on the left side. He said he is doing a lot of studying this week. Um, I haven't. I haven't. But um, obviously, you know, just studying this, studying this film, you know, being able to, you know, look at what the left tackles have been, uh, have done successfully against uh, this group of pass rushers and uh, try to take some things from there and just go play football. You know, like I said, man, I've, I've played, I've played a lot of football here um and obviously you know moving to the left side is a different it's a different transition but you know having having that you you've played a number of plays that i've played um it gives you a little bit of advantage as we said i i think if you've got your choice between a guy who was on the street at the beginning of the season or a guy who's been with the organization for almost a decade now, I think you're going to go with the guy that's been here for just about a decade, protecting Alex Smith's blind side. Kickoff is set for 1 o'clock Sunday. We will talk about it on Monday. Enjoy the football weekend. And remember, like the wise man once said, if you're on your bike tonight, as always, do wear white. Please allow me to introduce myself. Hey, I've been around for a long time.